If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at American Signature Furniture or designerlooks.com. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit caron.org slash real. Karen. Real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast, part of the Fantrax family. My name is Mung, and of course you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung, that's M-E-N-G. Hey addicts, it's Los at FFA underscore L-O-S, we keep it short, we keep it simple. Week three, we're heading into finishing week two. Great week of football. The Packers are tied with the Lions. At least they're not winning yet. So things are pretty good in my life. How about you, Monk? Yeah, and uh, the Bears won this week. So certainly great. Uh, currently leading the NFC North. Uh, we'll see what happens Woo! after tonight. But uh, I think at this point, it's still early. It's only two weeks, so some of these teams, we don't know yet if they're for real or if they've just had really good games or really bad games, but I think it's safe to say that the West Coast is doing really well. The NFC West and the AFC West are surprising people quite a bit this year. Yeah, uh, just as surprising as the uh, the AFC West team, the, the Chiefs, right? Not coming through with the win this week. Yeah, Baltimore seems to be such a Jekyll and Hyde team. I uh, It's hard to really know what to make of them. Uh, I, I did predict the Cleveland Browns to win the division preseason, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. The AFC North is definitely still up in the air. Yeah, you, you just described the entire AFC North of Jekyll and Hyde right there. <laughs> All right, but let's. Uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. A lot of injuries happened in week two, so let's let's get to it. But real quick, before the game previews, we want to talk to you guys about. Excuse me, about. Turn Canadian there for a second. About uh, Thrive Fantasy. Nothing Thrive. wrong with that. <laughs> Certainly, but uh, I don't know if our Canadian neighbors up north can play uh, some of these DFS contests, so maybe a little bit something wrong with that. But we wanted to talk to you guys about Thrive mm. Fantasy. Thrive offers DFS-style contests on player props. It's super easy. You pick 10 out of 20 player props for the week, and each prop gets assigned a fantasy point value for the over and under based on how likely the outcome is. The more you get right, the bigger the payout. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 in weekly prizes, including their Sunday contest, where first place wins a cool twenty grand. Sign up now with our promo code FFA, and you'll receive an instant 100% deposit match of up to $100 for your first deposit, minimum $10. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-E fantasy.com. And this is our first official plea to Justin Trudeau. Mr. Trudeau, please expand your uh, expand your capacity to allow Thrive Fantasy into Canada. All right, enough about our, North, our northern companions. Let's head to the south. Let's head down to Houston for Thursday night football. Carolina at the Houston Texans. CMC and DJ Moore are must plays, of course. And Robbie Anderson went another week with very limited production. This may be a week where they take their foot off the gas with CMC after a mid-game injury scare this past week. But I honestly wouldn't bet on it. I, I, I think he's still a full-time workhorse here. I, I think I'm sitting Anderson here, though. How about you, Monk? 
Yeah, we're seeing that week two confirmed what we saw in week one, which was that DJ Moore was used a lot more all over the field, and Robbie Anderson moved back into that more downfield role. So he's going to be a little bit more boomer bust going forward. Uh, Moore should be a high-end wide receiver too this week against a pretty weak Texans team. And uh, personally, I'm not worried about McCaffrey either. Uh, It sounds like it was just uh, cramps in his calf, nothing serious. So he should be a full go for Thursday. Absolutely. DJ Moore uh, hitting that off, talked about, I think this is a third year, uh, making that third year wide receiver leap. As for the Houston side of the ball, they're certainly playing better than was advertised or expected in the preseason, but I'm really not interested in playing roulette with them, especially if Tyrod Taylor is missing time, which we already have confirmation. He is not going to be in this game. Deshaun Watson is not going to be in this game. Despite all that, uh, Brandon Cooks still saw 14 targets and nobody else saw more than two for this team. So I'm starting Cooks, not starting Lindsay, despite having a touchdown in each of the first two games this season. And David Johnson is getting essentially no work. We expected him to get a little more this past week. The game script would have played out for him to uh, get a little more pass game work did not come to fruition. So um, it's really just Brandon Cooks for this team right now. Couldn't agree more here. Uh, 12 of those targets came from Davis Mills, the rookie. So we expect that to continue a 55% target share for Cooks from Davis Mills against Cleveland after the rookie came in. So Cooks is a volume wide receiver three. And as you said, that's pretty much it. Uh, Lindsay continues to score touchdowns, but uh, that is not a trend that I would necessarily want to depend on. Cook certainly better in a PPR and a half PPR than in standard, just because the team does not have much scoring upside for all these reasons. I think Carolina takes this one on the road pretty easily. Yep. I'll agree. And we'll talk about their defense a little bit as a streaming option, considering they're going up against a rookie uh, starting on a short week for his NFL debut. That takes us into the Sunday noon central one o'clock PM Eastern games. First game on the docket, Washington at Buffalo. Terry McLaurin is all right for now. Logan Thomas is back in the tight end. One conversation with, uh, with uh, Heineke at quarterback, the running back usage was certainly inconsistent altogether different than a, what we saw in the preseason and B what we saw in week one, which was different from what we saw in the preseason. So is Gibson taking a step forward or not? I'm betting he's a running back two here, and I'm not relying on J.D. McKissick at all until we see them use him like that twice at least in a row, at least twice this season. Yeah, I don't know that we're relying on McKissick, but I think he's an okay flex play in PPR formats where this is a game where we're expecting Washington to trail and, and probably lose against a, a Buffalo defense that looked pretty good against uh, Miami this past week. Um, As for Terry McLaurin, I had some questions on Twitter last week as to whether we're concerned or benching McLaurin against the Giants, and my answer was no, that he was still a solid mid-range wide receiver too, uh, which we saw he wildly uh, outperformed expectations on Thursday night, but I also wouldn't overreact to that game because we are expecting him to see a lot of Tredavious White this coming week, so it would not shock me if Adam Humphreys saw more targets Uh, or receiving yards than McLaurin this week. Uh, That said, McLaurin should be a fine back-end wide receiver to start. 
And on the Buffalo side of things, they got back on track. Both running backs scored. Moss actually scored twice, but I'm avoiding them against Washington's defense. Uh, Singletary looked very pedestrian, except for that early big run in the in the game uh, with the touchdown there. And all of Moss's production was with the game pretty well in hand. Uh, so uh, Allen Diggs should be good enough for you here. Um, not expecting a ton, but Washington has not been um, amazing on defense either. No, they, you know, they sort of remind me uh, a lot of Tampa Bay's defense where the D-line and the run game uh, stoppage is very good, but their secondary is still very much in question. Uh, so a good spot for Josh Allen, I think. And uh, I agree, we do not have Zach Moss on our waiver ads recommendations. Uh, those touchdowns came on very few carries very late in the game after they were up multiple, multiple scores. I'm going with the uh, Buffalo Bills at home here, Monk. Yes, I will take the Bills at home as well. All right. Yours, mine, and our Chicago Bears heading into Cleveland. I let uh, I let uh, super producer Dan talk me off of picking the Bears this past week. We'll see what I do at the end of this matchup. A uh, very nice win for Chicago. Allen Robinson salvaged his day with a touchdown. Could have had a second touchdown from, from the rookie. Darnell Mooney led the team with eight targets, and Damian Williams only saw five opportunities. So start uh, David Montgomery and Allen Robinson with confidence, but uh, the Cleveland defense should be a tougher uh, tougher pick than what they've showed this past week and early into the season. So I'm not looking for any of those uh, other options on the team right now. Right. And, you know, Darnell Mooney uh, also had a drop touchdown in the end zone, so he's in consideration here as well. We are expecting... Andy Dalton to miss at least a couple weeks. It sounds like a potential bone yep. bruise. Um, but really, the story here is the potential for Justin Fields to start this week. Uh, I, I will say that he should be a priority waiver wire target if you're looking for pure upside for rest of the season, even though I don't love the matchup here for week three necessarily. Um, but all that being said, Matt Nagy also declared that Andy Dalton will still be the starter once he's healthy. So, who knows uh, if Fields will play well enough in the next week or two to change his mind, but certainly uh, if you have the bench spot and if you if you want that uh, secure quarterback upside uh, worth looking in, in the waivers this week. Yeah, I, I think Nagy's words are, are expected and they're the right thing to say, but to me, if, if you like playing Jalen Hurts at all, then there shouldn't be any reason you wouldn't like playing Justin Fields. Well said. All right, on the Cleveland side, very nice day for Nick Chubb, but uh, Kareem Hunt did not quite manage to put together the flex value in a week that he certainly should have. If the Browns only muster 21 pass attempts, that can certainly happen for Hunt, who does have a solid part of his game being uh, in the in the receiving game. I'm sure a lot of this game plan had to do with not having OBJ and, of course, Jarvis Landry leaving in the first quarter with an injury. Um, Chicago has been beaten deep multiple times on defense in the first two games, but I don't know who to pick on Cleveland side of the ball be it donovan peoples jones or somebody else so unless odell beckham suits up i just don't know that i can take the splash on any of these cleveland wide receivers yeah we actually just got confirmation a couple hours ago that odell beckham is expected to play in week three and that was quote unquote okay. the plan all along and i don't know about that but uh, i yeah, think okay. with, <laughs> i think that is definitely the plan now that jarvis landry is out um in a game that they yeah. need to win here after the ravens looked pretty good so we'll see uh, there were there are some injuries on cleveland's offensive line so that's a concern but certainly uh you know you're still starting nick chubb and kareem hunt a flex option as well 
Uh, Odell Beckham, it, it really depends on your other wide receiver or flex options. Uh, the upside is there, uh, but we could potentially see him get eased in still in his first game back from that ACL recovery. So it, it's going to be a toss-up, and it's really going to be sit-start dependent. That's when uh, you want to hit us up on Twitter for those more specific questions. All right, now Chicago, listen to me here. I know we're excited about Justin Fields. I know he's he's the rookie. He's the quarterback who was promised. He's the guy we've been waiting for for 50, basically the entirety of the Bears' existence. But this is a very tough matchup for him. Do not lose faith if Justin Fields, if the D-line of Cleveland gets after him, gets him to throw three picks this game. For that reason, I am picking Cleveland at home. But uh, don't lose faith. Don't uh, Don't turn the tide on him already. Yeah, worth noting here, too, that Baker Mayfield injured his non-throwing shoulder, but he is expected to play this week. So uh, with that being said, I will take Cleveland as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry. All right. The next game is Baltimore at Detroit. Uh, Lamar Jackson's obviously locked into your lineup. Tyson and Latavius Murray are fine flex plays here against Detroit, I think. And I think we can use Hollywood Brown this week and just about every week until Rashad Bateman returns. Mark Andrews is returning back end tight end one value. Not exactly what you paid up for in drafts, but you know, uh, there, there's worse out there, but there's certainly better right now. Yeah, not, uh, not a whole lot to add on the Raven side here. And on the Lions side tonight, we got to watch and see if any of the wide receivers start to dominate uh, snap shares or targets. But my guess is that TJ Hawkinson is, of course, going to stay the top wide receiver. And both Swift and Jamal Williams see five plus targets apiece. We did uh, a, a peach, a piece. We did see um, uh, Quinnisifus uh, shake deep for a, a nice big touchdown. And then we saw TJ Hawkinson score a touchdown already. So I think I think we're pretty on point here. Um, I, I don't see Cephas taking over this this pass game just yet. Yeah, maybe there's some garbage time too, but it also depends on whether Tyrell Williams is back. We'll see what the target share shakes out tonight uh, against the Packers. If someone does stand out, then certainly uh, keep on top of that. But as of right now, we we are still early in the Monday night game as we record here, so we will see about the Lions. Yep, and I will take Baltimore at home to uh, try and try and uh, salvage what. Uh, well, no, try and uh, keep rolling what they got going this uh, this past week against the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I will take Baltimore as well. Uh, let's move on. All right. Indianapolis at Tennessee. NFC or AFC South Divisional uh, uh, showdown. Much certainly hinges on if it's Wentz or Eason playing. Um, it's certainly looking like it's going to be Eason. Pittman had quite a nice day versus the Rams, despite Pascal catching another touchdown. Pittman is a flex play versus Tennessee's defense uh, with more upside if Wentz were to be in, which he doesn't look like he will be. Uh, this could be the week Jonathan Taylor shakes free for some scores. He's had plenty of uh, opportunities within the 10 and at the goal line, but he's been stuffed on just about all of them. Um, I think he's going to be okay, even even with the injuries in this offensive line. This could this could be just the week for him. Um, I am surprised though with the low usage totals for Naeem Hines, considering the team's history, the coach speak, and the new contract for him. So we will have to see what develops there. But I, I'm fine with Jonathan Taylor with a lot of confidence as a as a running back one this week. Yeah, I think he's in that back end RB one range uh, per Rich Rebar, as you mentioned. 
Uh, with the goal line work, Taylor has a league leading eight touches inside oh. of the 10 yard line and six touches inside of the five yard line through two weeks. Uh, of course, he has not scored at all. I do think we can chalk some of that up to the inefficiency of the offensive line with some injuries. Uh, they did get uh, Nelson back, but they're still working back to 100% here. Uh, and by the way, this is a Titans defense that just allowed two touchdowns to Chris Carson. So if Easton can even be competent at moving the ball down the field, I think Taylor is still startable here, but certainly um, don't love Pittman or Pascal. Uh, we'll see about Carson Wentz's. Uh, it, he injured both ankles. It sounds like neither are high ankle sprains, but both could be severe low ankle sprains. I don't man, Carson Wentz just can't can't catch a break here. So uh keep you know monitor their monitor the injury status there. We'll talk about him in the injury section as well. Yeah, I don't know what the healing on that's gonna be. I mean I've sprained a single ankle multiple times and the way you deal with that is by hopping along for, for a day and a half. What do you do if you sprain both of them? They're gonna get him a nice uh, blue and white scooter. There you go. There you go. I love it. All right. On the Tennessee side of the football, uh, this was a, a big time game for this team to find their identity and get themselves right after falling back early against Seattle. If you have a better option than Tannehill, maybe look that way. But other than late, the other late drafted options are not really playing all the, that well themselves. Uh, I'd keep him and his rushing upside in, in over Big Ben, over Winston, over Goff, over guys like that. Uh, but how about Derek Henry getting some pass game work finally? He's a scary man when he touches the football, just uh, dominating the second half of that game and tacking on uh, fi uh, five, fi five or six uh, receptions. I, I just lost my page. Oops. Oh, well, uh, Julio Jones, for the record, was robbed of that touchdown, and A.J. Brown will start to produce soon. Book it for you. Uh, it's only been two weeks. Don't, don't lose faith. Yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, the Tennessee Titans finally got things turned around a little bit later in the second half against the Seahawks. I wish that they would have given us some sort of indication that Derrick Henry was going to be used on screens and uh, in the in the passing <laughs> game because I dropped him in my rankings preseason with the concerns that the Titans defense yeah. was going to be bad putting him into these shootout type of game scripts. But, you know, that's that's great for him if he's going to be catching passes and they're playing from behind. Um, so certainly it looks like those who took uh, Derrick Henry early uh, are are on the right track so far. And as you said, not too many concerns for A.J. Brown uh, or Julio Jones just yet. But what we'll see, I think it's going to be kind of a roller coaster ride here for the Titans, who I think are the best team in the AFC South, but not not by a whole lot. Yeah, the defense certainly puts them in a corner, but I expect them to do just fine with the uh, with the with the um, backup quarterback in Indianapolis playing. Nobody puts Ryan Tannehill in a corner. <laughs> Certainly not. Are we uh, taking Tennessee here? Yeah, I just said that. Oh, sorry. I, I must have missed that. I was thinking of my uh, my catchy uh, little retort there. But uh, I will <laughs> and you take... Did, you, you did great. You just got to keep up with the pace at the same time, too. <laughs> oh, that, that's that's too much for the cogs to handle. They're, they're turning a little slowly here. But uh, I will take what? Tennessee at home as well. Hey, they're turning better for you than they are for the Packers right now, but that's another story for a little later in the game. Uh, LAC, the Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. 
We have our answer on Austin Eckler. Nine targets, nine catches. His production and his draft capital are holding just fine. This is going to be a shootout, so I expect a very similar game plan as the Dallas game, meaning plenty of targets for Allen and Williams. Uh, this is what we've waited three seasons for with Mike Williams. So in, enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, hopefully he's he's learned to land a little, you know, cushion, more more cushioned, and uh, he can stay healthy. Great player. Right, and and his average depth of targets uh, helps as well. Joe Lombardi certainly wasn't lying in the preseason when he said that Mike Williams was going to play a big role for this team as the X this year. Uh, Williams's ADOT is lower than ever, so he's seeing a lot more of those high percentage throws, and he's a locked-in weekly wide receiver three right now. It's also worth noting that there's no reason to panic on Justin Herbert. Um, rough game against Dallas, but he did have a, a touchdown called back to Jared Cook. Um, and I will mention that Cook should also be in play as a streaming option considering his target share as well. And on the Chiefs side of the football, uh, I mean, what what is there to say about the Chiefs? Sure, they lost uh, last evening, but, um, you know, you're not benching on any of you guys. Um, I would not go crazy about the uh, McCole Hardman targets. He's been unreliable for uh, every portion of his career thus far. I, I certainly would not want to throw that into your lineup. And Tyree kills a wide receiver. Uh, every wide receiver has up and down weeks. Mike Evans has certainly had multiple zero point weeks, and we haven't seen that out of Tyree kill just yet. So it's inconsistent, but he's, he's still going to be, you know, a top wide receiver option this weekend, every week. Yeah. I'm not buying into uh, McCole Hardman's eight targets. Baltimore really schemed to take away Tyree kill in this game. Um, and as you said, at the same time, I, I'm not worried about Tyreek Hill, still the number one overall wide receiver rest of season for me. Um, Kansas City is going to look back at this film, uh, see how they took him away, and they're going to figure out new and even better ways to get Tyreek Hill open. So certainly not worried about that. A little bit worried about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, it's kind of crazy that he has seen 86% of the touches as a true workhorse for the Chiefs, a clear RB1. <laughs> But he's been awful in fantasy. Uh, I, I was really excited after we saw his preseason usage as a receiver. But we just haven't seen that at all in the first two regular season games. The workload has been there, but they have not been targeting him. Patrick Mahomes continues to scramble, but he's been throwing deep. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But I can't tell you how many plays I watched last night where CEH was just wide open for, you know, four to six yard gains in the flat, like easily, but Mahomes is running around and, and chucking it downfield. Maybe Andy Reid will we'll have a talk with him this week about maybe taking the, the yards that they're giving you, but uh, you certainly can't drop CEH, and depending on your options, you're probably not benching him, but uh, certainly not what we wanted to see uh, when we hoped for RB1 production in the second round, taking him there. He's a gunslinger, man. Andy Reid uh, couldn't couldn't uh, bring Brett Favre down. He's not going to bring Pat Mahomes down. <laughs> and with that, I will select the Kansas City Chiefs to take out uh, the, the Chargers this week. I'll take the Chiefs as well at home. All right. Although I, I will uh, the, say, I, I don't think this is a lock necessarily. The Chargers have, have played them tough in the past, and the, the defense is, is looking better for the Chargers if they are if they can stay healthy. Yeah, that, that division seems to gun for the Chiefs for, for good reason, of course. Um, they, they know who the big dogs in the yard are, and they try and smack them just like the Raiders did last year. All right. 
the New Orleans Saints at the New England Patriots. Uh, the Saints struggled mightily, and I think they made this week too. Uh, Alvin Kamara was held to 30 combined yards, and this is what I was talking about in the preseason. Um, you certainly aren't sitting Alvin Kamara, but he's uh, he's the only one on this team that I'm playing until Michael Thomas is back at least. Well, I, I think there are two things to note here. Um, one is that, you know, certainly I, I was expecting more of Jameis Winston as well. I had him as a streaming option on last week's show. I don't think anyone was expecting this terrible performance. Uh, but at the same time, we have to remember that they had a lot of coaches out on the COVID list this week. And we, we don't think too much about coaches or offensive linemen sometimes, but you know, the supporting cast play, plays a big role each and every week in, in preparing game film and preparing, you know, coaching up that offensive line and the offense as a whole. So I, I would not panic on the Saints, but again, uh, <laughs> New England is not an easy matchup going to uh, Gillette there. Um, we saw them take out uh, pretty much dismantle Zach Wilson. So uh, temper your expectations. I agree that Kamara is the only safe start. And uh, depending on your options, perhaps you can you can test the waters with Troutman or Callaway, but I would not expect a very high-scoring game in this one. Yeah, only in very, very deep leagues, uh, I would think. Um, on the New England side, Damian Harris and James White both had very solid days versus, uh, versus the Jets, while Ramondre Stevenson saw zero opportunities. Now, New Orleans is a better defense than the Jets, of course, but they are banged up. Uh, I, I think this game plan lends flex value to both Harris and White yet again, and uh, that's about... All I'm looking at on this uh, on this Mac Jones-led team right now. Yep, James White continues to be overlooked, especially in PPR formats. I think we do see early on that Mac Jones is checking it down, and rightfully so, to James White quite a bit. So he'll be on our waiver ads uh, discussion again later on in the show. And man, Damon Harris, that touchdown run, I saw multiple people tweet out the... Uh, the juggernaut gif where he's just running through walls <laughs> and uh that's very apt because that's exactly what he looked like i think he broke like five or six tackles on that touchdown run and certainly harris no, i actually uh, think it was seven. Oh, okay well seven yeah pardon me yeah. uh, sorry to mr yeah. harris but uh, a very impressive run just running angry and uh, i think this is going to be another close one but uh, i will take the patriots at home yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots as well. Uh, I expect it to be close. I expect New Orleans to try and get after the rookie, but I, I do think Belichick uh, wins the game at the end of the day. All right, Atlanta at the New York Giants. Uh, we knew the Tampa game was going to be ugly for Atlanta. We saw some pretty creative usage of Cordell Patterson. Uh, I'd hold off on spending big fab dollars on him. This may have been the exact game plan to avoid that Tampa pass rush uh, as much as possible because he and Davis, uh, Mike Davis, combined for 13 targets here. We saw the rookie uh, Pitts take a step forward, uh, but you know he is a rookie. It's going to take him time to gel. But if you if you spent up and drafted him, of course you're starting him. Yeah, and you know, the final score is kind of misleading because until those two defensive touchdowns by the Bucks, it was a three-point game into the fourth quarter. So Atlanta played them well. Uh, they, they kept it close. And I wouldn't spend a ton of fab on Cordero Patterson, but I do think he's an interesting add because even though they split the work fairly evenly between Davis and Patterson, very notably, it was mostly Patterson when they got in close in the red zone and near the goal line. So I think they see him as a more explosive option and perhaps one where they can, uh, you know, use more creative plays near the goal line. And we know that Arthur Smith traditionally has been very successful in converting red zone uh, attempts. So 
Patterson definitely a name to, to monitor here, I think. I totally agree. I, this is sort of a very specific and niche question, but if you do happen to be in a, in a league which is deep enough where you are relying right now on Mike Davis as your running back too, to me, I think Patterson is a must-add and a must-start over Davis right now. What do you think? I don't disagree. I think it is Patterson yeah. over Davis right now, but uh, you know, Patterson is still going to be somewhat of a de uh, touchdown-dependent flex play. Totally, but so is Davis. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, on the Gi right on the Giants side of things, um, Saquon just needs to get 100% healthy really badly for this team. Uh, Kenny Galladay needs to take a step up. Um, th this uh, led to a solid second week in a row for Sterling Shepard, nearly 100 yards for another week, I think 95 yards, and he's probably a fine flex for third week in a row. Yeah, and worth talking about, it was very encouraging to see Saquon Barkley's snaps go up significantly to 84% against Washington on Thursday night. Uh, 10 days for him to recover before this game against Atlanta. So uh, I'm starting Barkley with pretty pretty confidently as an RB2, uh, especially in this matchup where the Falcons have looked pretty rough defensively. The other thing is we need to talk about how well Daniel Jones has been playing, even with the Giants mm -hmm. offensive line, putting him in tough spots uh, under a lot of duress, but he's been running a lot to start the season. Uh, he had a second rushing touchdown called back by a penalty on Thursday night. Uh, he's third right now in rushing yards among quarterbacks tied for first in rushing touchdowns would be clearly first with that second touchdown that was called back. Um, I, he's he's our top streaming QB of the week, and he, he we need to put some respect on his name, I think. Absolutely. He's got the legs. He's got the talent surrounding him. He has his whole career, and he's finally putting uh, some stuff together right now. And, and for that reason, the talent around him and Saquon getting uh, back on the right foot, I am taking the Giants at home. Yeah, and I think he'll he'll get the W as well this week. There you go. All right. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, always a tough AFC North showdown. Uh, Joe Mixon saw, but all except two running back opportunities this entire game remains a workhouse that uh, the workhorse you want him to be. Burrow had a very rough week in Chicago, three interceptions, but all three wide receivers remain viable. They are each looking reliable for it at worst flex worthy starts. Uh, probably they're probably teetering that wide receiver two, three for each of them right now. Um, I, I'm confident with them here. Yeah, for this week, uh, I would rank them Chase over Boyd over Higgins with Boyd having a, a pretty good slot matchup. Uh, Pittsburgh has been gashed um, by Beasley in week one, um, and then Renfro saw a lot of usage in week two. So I do like this uh, week as a Boyd week, but uh, I still think Chase is the number one here. All right, and Mung, you were right. Uh, Pittsburgh did play down to the Raiders and ended up losing at home. Uh, they get a second chance at home here now. Uh, bigger loss for us, though, is the potential knee injury for Deontay Johnson on the last play of that game. Uh, we certainly need to see what comes out about that. There's been mixed reports as of yet, unless you've heard something more concrete. I have not seen anything yet. Uh, if Deontay's out, I would play Claypool here. But uh, if not, I don't think he needs to see your lineup just yet. Juju is playing much better than last year, and the running game is clearly better. Um, lock in both, both Harris and Juju right now. Yeah, we'll see about Deontay Johnson. It sounds like he avoided uh, any serious injury, but he could still miss a week or two depending on what happened with the knee there, uh, potentially a, a bone bruise, something along those lines. Uh, the bigger concern is that Big Ben looks just 
washed. He looks bad. Um, I, I think the Raiders are better than people think, but I also think that some of it is just Pittsburgh being awful. Um, I think they lucked out against Buffalo with the defense carrying that team and Buffalo just, you know, have, starting the season slow. And yeah, I, I mean, Claypool and Juju, especially if Deontay Johnson is out, I think both are good matchup plays against the Bengals secondary. I just... I don't see a huge ceiling for either of them with, with Ben looking the way he is. I I agree. I think this team is going to be need uh, is going to need to be carried like by its defense, which it's, which it did last year with uh, duck duck Dodgers. And, uh, and Mason, that's not his name. That's Daffy duck uh, <laughs> with duck Hodges and, uh, and, and Mason Rudolph um, being carried by the defense and, and uh, you know, doing pretty well for the season from a, from a win loss standpoint. I, I agree uh, the the value in terms of targets are there for the team, but the, uh, the upside with points is just not there in this offense right now. And I think from a you know dynasty spin, I think we sort of have to hope that uh, Pittsburgh loses a couple games so that Pittsburgh can go ahead and draft one of those top three quarterbacks next year and really restore some value for Deontay and Claypool. Yeah, certainly hope so. All right. I am, uh, despite all that, I'm going to take Pittsburgh at home here. Um, I think the defense gets after Burrow. Yeah, I think I think the defense wins them this game. But again, I just I'm not going to be confident picking Pittsburgh a- any time this year. No, certainly not. Certainly not. Arizona at Jacksonville. The Cardinals are clicking, and I certainly don't see any reason for a slowdown here. They don't quite run the ball enough for me to start James Conner at all. But Edmonds is a back end running back too, with with some upside in this offense, especially against Jacksonville. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is of course a lock, and you're going to have to take your pick week to week with uh, with uh, Moore and Kirk. This week, I personally think you avoid both. We we actually may be able to see James Conner get some more use usage on the ground especially late in the third fourth quarter in a game that i i see arizona just running away with yeah i, I think more is who you want because he's the one who can you know turn the most out of any catch uh, with the yards after the catch and that speed and explosiveness um but i will say that even though he is our top waiver wire ad at the wide receiver position uh, just 46 percent snaps played against minnesota in week two so the full-time role is not there i think the ceiling is really high uh, if his role continues to develop and he usurps christian kirk as the number two here um but certainly still more of a boom or bust flex play uh i i do think it'll be more boom against the jaguars this week but uh, again, don't. Uh, I would not go too crazy with the fab bids on Rondale Moore, even though he should be the top wide receiver added. And the Urban Meyer offense has not yet been highly productive, though the Arizona defense should certainly provide some opportunities this week. Arizona will certainly keep the points coming in on their side. Um, unfortunately, LaVisca Chenault turned seven targets, uh, second on the team, into minus three yards. Uh, James Robinson is a flex option. Marvin Jones and Chenault are flex options, but that's all the confidence I have. There, there should be some chances downfield, but I have, I have no confidence in guessing which one's going to get it. I, I think it's Marvin Jones right now. I think he's the clear uh, favorite for Lawrence. Uh, I think he's a wide receiver three each week, just simply because of the garbage time PPR volume that he's going to get, um, especially again in this game where I expect Arizona to lead early and lead big. Um, 
and, and I do think Shark is the number two until we see Chenault used more, uh, even if his shoulder is healthy. Uh, it does sound like he has a chance to play. It was not a major shoulder injury that he suffered. Uh, but yeah, Marvin Jones is who I want, then Shark, then Chenault. And as far as Robinson goes, it's encouraging that his snaps rose to 71% in week two after he split time a lot with Carlos Hyde in week one. Uh, but that said, you know, it, it's just not a whole lot of upside because we're not expecting a ton of touchdowns for this team. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into playing the game of tracking uh, running back usage week to week and, and leaning into that uh, for, for the Jaguars this year. That feels an awful lot like trying to do that with the Jets the past three years. <laughs> or this year. Yeah, well, that's that's a fair point. Um, so I think uh, I think we've made it pretty clear that we're taking Arizona this game. Yeah. Yeah, Arizona by, like, double digits, I would say. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, that brings us into the Sunday mid-afternoon. The New York Jets at the Denver Broncos. A very ugly day for the Jets versus New England, and Denver provides yet another solid defense that I just don't want to challenge with my fantasy lineup. Corey Davis was expectedly held in check by uh, Bill Belichick's game plan, but I think he's going to have flex upside against a, a different defense, a very good defense, but certainly not one that works the same way that Belichick runs his. Uh, if you have the stomach for it or the desperation, you can you can play Corey Davis. I certainly do not have the stomach or desperation to roll out Braxton Berrios despite his yard, uh, target totals the first two weeks and the running backs as we just alluded to are a total mess and the upside just isn't there either way. Yeah, we know that Belichick likes to take away the opposing quarterback's favorite option, and that was clearly Corey Davis, and that resulted in a lot of targets for Berrios and more. Um, you know, they looked okay, but as you said, I do think Davis is still the back-end flex play that you want here, Denver being a good defense, but not one that necessarily schemes to take away a single guy. And for the Denver Broncos, we again saw almost identical work for the two running backs, 14 opportunities for Melvin Gordon and 15 for, uh, for uh, Williams. Um, and both are flex plays in what should be a run heavy game plan. Uh, Cortland Sutton did have that big day, 159 yards on 12 targets. I think he finished number two on the week in yards. I think might've been number three and I'd happily start him here. Uh, I'd start Tim Patrick and I'd start Noah Fant this week. Yeah, and, you know, that was one of my bad calls from last week because we saw Teddy Bridgewater really, you know, spread the ball around in week one. So I was not expecting Sutton to just lead the team in targets by so much. Uh, clearly a good sign for Sutton going forward, but uh, I, I do think he was an iffy play last week that happened to work out. And it's great to see that he seems to be uh, on well on his road uh, to recovering from that ACL. Looked really good on certain plays. Um, and I do think that you start him as a wide receiver three here against the Jets. And, uh, you know, in deeper leagues, I think it's worth talking about uh, Albert. Uh, oh, man, I'm going to butcher this. Albert Okwu. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, Albert Okwubunam. I'm sorry, Mr. Albert. Uh, Albert O, uh, I do think is worth a look because Denver has been using a lot of two tight end sets, particularly with Jerry Judy out. And uh, he's been getting a lot of targets. And he is also a dynamic yards after the catch guy, much like Noah Fant. I think it's worth mentioning. I don't expect multiple 10 plus target games in a row for uh, for Sutton to come. So don't go uh, don't go crazy and go spending up on him like he's a, like he's a locked in wide receiver one or anything like that. Um, uh, Judy is going to come back at some point this season unless do you have a different spin on that monk. Sorry, 
A spin on what? I, I was just saying, I would not recommend going and trying to spend up and grab Cortland Sutton, seeing those 12 targets and um, basic dominant uh, dominance of that offense. I don't expect him to uh, to get 10 plus targets in, in many more games this season, if at all. Well, uh, he's rostered in most leagues, so uh, he is not on our waiver list, but certainly I think he no, should be. No, I'm talking be. about a trade target. Don't, I'm, I'm saying don't uh, don't go trying to get him into your lineup and, and overspend for somebody on him. Oh, uh, as a as a buy candidate? Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm torn because a healthy, a 100% healthy sudden, I think, is a clear number one wide receiver. Uh, I just don't know that, you know, the first year back from the ACL, if he is there, uh, I do think that if you can trade Jerry Judy for Cortland Sutton straight up right now, I would absolutely do that because I do think that Sutton has a four to five game span to potentially solidify that number one role. I don't know oh, if it yeah, will I would, happen. I would absolutely do that. Right. So, you know, much like we talked about Debo Samuel versus Brandon Ayuk uh, last week, I, I do think that if you if that's something that you think could happen in your league, you know your league mates better than we do, then that, that's definitely a trade I'd explore. All right. Uh, shouldn't be a shocker here. I'm taking the Broncos. Uh, yeah, I will take Denver at home as well. Uh, yeah. All right. The Miami Dolphins <laughs> at the Las Vegas Raiders uh, with Tua Tagovailoa hurt. The team was very, very much broken. Uh, there is not much upside in the wide receivers here in a Jacoby Brissett-led offense. Uh, Gaskin should remain a back-end running back, too. It does sound like Tua avoided significant injury, must maybe a rib bruise or a rib muscle contusion or something like that, but doesn't look like there was a fracture. That doesn't mean that he's going to uh, play this game or certainly play well this game. That that generally does become a uh, a uh, pain control sort of thing. Yeah, I, you know, it's questionable whether he'll play this week, but uh, Waddle looked okay with Brissett. He's the only one I would necessarily consider until we see what Will Fuller's usage looks like in his first week back. It is worth noting that he practiced uh, earlier today on Monday, uh, back from a personal issue, it sounds like. Um, so Fuller is an interesting wide receiver for, uh, as of right now, I would still rank Waddle over Fuller for this week. Uh, if you happen to, for some reason, have both of them, would you agree with that, Los? I don't know. He's on zero targets with, uh, with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I mean, yes, I'd have him over Fuller, but I, I certainly wouldn't have either in a lineup if I could if I could do anything to avoid it. Yeah, I mean, if you can, I would not uh, want to start them. Yeah, certainly not. On the Raiders side of things, they're beating the world right now. Uh, despite crazy decisions, despite John Gruden, despite some injuries, Derek Carr is looking great. And there's some scoring potential on uh, short field turnovers if two is not available, or even if he is and has some trouble throwing with uh, with his ribs. Drake did not do a ton with his opportunity with Jacobs inactive because Peyton Barber was the leading running back, which uh, it was nice. Gruden announced that for us like on Tuesday of last week. I do not want a piece of that run game uh but i do want waller here and i could uh, live with a piece of henry ruggs this week too uh, i don't love ruggs um against a, a pretty good dolphin secondary I, I think this is still the darren waller show here um certainly he has that boom bust upside and he'll be on our waiver ads list uh but i, I don't I, I still you know he's a touchdown dependent wide receiver for for me um i think it's worth talking about that 
Last year, Derek Carr looked really good. He finally shook some of those early career Alex Smith-like tendencies where he kept checking it down. Um, he was willing to throw down field, and we saw, we've saw we seen that continue over the first two weeks of 2021. The biggest concern for me heading into the year was the Raiders' offensive line, but it looks like all the big moves that they made trading away some of their 2020 starters is actually doing okay right now. Uh, do you think the Raiders are, quote-unquote, for real, Los? Well, they are for, I mean, they're for real. They, they are tangible. I can see them with my eyes. If I went to <laughs> Vegas, I could feel them with my hands, but, uh, although I'd probably get arrested or something, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't think this lasts. I, I really don't. We saw them beat the chiefs last year. I mean, they may make it into the postseason as a, as a, uh, you know, as a, as a wild card sort of thing, if they can get off to a really hot start, I think they're going to be three and zero after this. I guess I just sort of buried the lead there, but I think they will be three and zero after this week. So that's obviously a very good start. Um, but no, I do not think that they are a super bowl contender. If that's what real means. I gotcha. Yeah. It, it's, it's a non-zero chance that Kansas city could be a wild card team this year, given the hot start to Denver and the Raiders. And I do agree that I think they will be three and zero after this week. All right. Next game. Very exciting. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Los Angeles Rams. The Buccaneers are on fire. Start them all. Uh, if indications are for uh, Jalen Ramsey to cover Evans, then expect a big week from Antonio Brown, but you're starting Evans regardless. Gronk is as locked in as it gets right now. Four touchdowns in the first two weeks. Fournette is a high-end running back three with upside in this offense. And Brady's going for records. He's not slowing down. Yeah, the only asterisk I would put here is uh, we're really not sure why Antonio's Brown, Antonio Brown's snaps dropped to 44% in Week 2 against the Falcons. Uh, certainly worrisome that you know he wasn't on the injury report, uh, just happened to see a much reduced role after he looked great against Dallas in Week 1. Definitely something to monitor. I mean, we knew going into this year... Uh, that it might be kind of a roller coaster ride with three great wide receiver options for Brady, uh, along with a, apparently a very rejuvenated Gronk. Um, and to your point, I, I don't think that Jalen Ramsey necessarily shadows anyone uh, with three great wide receiver options here. So I, I do think season long, it's going to be some highs and lows for all three of Evans, Godwin, and Brown. So. Uh, low floors and high ceilings for all these guys uh, every single week. And on the Rams side, the uh, Tampa Bay defense is certainly going to be a bigger test than the Colts were for the Rams. And if Henderson's out, you can uh, you can flex Sony if you're desperate. I don't love the play, but it is there. Uh, Woods and Cup will have solid target totals, and Stafford should be a fine upper-end quarterback, too, who I certainly would play unless a significantly better option is sitting there in your pocket. Um, but this is certainly not a week I'm confident starting Higby. Just one catch this past week. Um, tight end is just a, it's a minefield. Yeah, and I mean, very promising start to the season for Higby. And again, in week two, played every single snap, but just the one target. So kind of baffling here. Um, Robert Woods was used quite a bit as a blocker, but still second in the target share. So not too worried about him. Uh, Cooper Cup, though, I, he seems to be the clear number one, at least in Matthew Stafford's eyes. Uh, so he is atop the pecking order in L.A. And. I think he's got to be a top 10, top 12 wide receiver just about every week until we see that target share change. What do you think? 
Yeah, he is right now until Higby and Woods decide they want to eat some breakfast with Matt Stafford. I, I, I don't know what they're waiting on. Yeah, I, maybe maybe he just wants to, uh, maybe Robert Woods just wants to eat his lucky charms in peace or something, but uh, he should definitely be having breakfast with uh, Matty Ice. Come on, Bob, what are you doing? Yeah, and you know, I, I like this game for fantasy reasons, but I'm actually really nervous about Tampa Bay. Um, as we said when we talked about the Falcons earlier, they kept that game very close. It was a three-point game heading, you know, midway through the fourth quarter. Um, Tampa Bay converted just four of their 12 third-down attempts against the Falcons' defense, which is not very good. Uh, so, you know, this is an East Coast team that's traveling three time zones west uh, for this game. So could be past Brady's bedtime uh, when this happens. Uh, I'm a little worried here. I, I think this is a potential preview of this year's NFC championship game. And I will be rooting for Tampa Bay, but I'm actually going to pick the Rams here. I am not. Um, I, I think uh, Arians is going to take the cake over uh, over Sean McVay here. It's going to be a very good game. It's going to be very entertaining. I think we may see a little bit more of a defensive slugfest than we are giving it credit for with these two defenses. Um, I, I think we see more Antonio Brown, though. I, I think he's going to be back in this game, and I think Gronk may be used a little more as a blocker against this defense, but that's going to open up opportunities for both Godwin and Brown to, to just go wild. Um, I'm, I'm taking Tampa Bay here. Well, for once, I, I hope you are correct, Los. I hope you win this one. <laughs> All right. I hope I am too. Seattle at the Minnesota Vikings. Seattle lost, but uh, that may be better for their fantasy output for now, uh, keeping their foot on the throttle uh, until Pete Carroll decides he wants to, much like last year, uh, dial it back, run the ball 40 times a game. The fear was there in the preseason, though, and that was baked into many of these players' costs. So um, where you got them, I have no fear in starting Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett, and Chris Carson as, as must-start locked in place. Yeah, I'm seeing a little bit of panic over Metcalf, uh, and certainly he's been a little bit more boomer bust than we want to see from where a lot of people drafted him in the second round. Uh, but, you know, had a knee injury. Uh, that, well, maybe that wasn't baked in for him. Maybe you're right. Yeah, no, I, I think perhaps that, you know, Lockett and Metcalf should have been much closer in ADP than they actually were in the preseason. I know some smart analysts talk about that. Um, but, you know, you're he, talking about me. Oh, uh, did you? I, I was just a general statement. <laughs> oh, what did you not listen to our pre our preseason shows this year, Mung? Come on. No, I just have the uh, the memory of a goldfish. That's all. <laughs> well, I did snag him from you in our preseason draft. Yes, you certainly did. But um, either way, uh, he it is worth noting that Metcalf was playing through a, a knee injury uh, over the in the second half of this game. So. Uh, would not panic. Uh, the Minnesota defense has looked pretty awful thus far through two games, so you're still starting uh, Metcalf alongside Lockett. Metcalf's fine. If if uh, if you weren't scared to draft him after he disappeared for the final eight games last season, then you're not scared right now. On the Minnesota side of the ball, hopefully we find out sooner rather than later on uh, on uh, on uh, Cook's health. Sorry. Whew. Brain fart. Alexander Madison got all three carries that did not go to Cook, but Minnesota was pretty heavily in passing mode versus the Cardinals here, which they had to be. Thielen and Jefferson are, of course, locked in. And while I'm not buying into Osborne for full season, I do like him this week against Seattle if Cook is missing time here. Minnesota's going to have to keep up with that explosive Seattle offense. Yeah, I, you know, I saw some crazy stat that 
kickers do way better against Minnesota for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> I don't know why exactly that is. Uh, but, you know, Seattle and Minnesota, we've seen some weird games when these two, these two teams meet up. Uh, but I will say that the, the big news for Minnesota here is Dalvin Cook's availability. Certainly Alexander Madison is going to be a popular waiver ad this week, and rightfully so. It sounds like, Ma- uh, excuse me, not Madison, but Cook has a mild high ankle sprain. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, he looked okay over the second half, but uh, we know that these injuries can kind of you know, tighten up and swell up uh, after the game, uh, after you actually sit down. So monitor that for sure. And the other big news, I think, is K.J. Osborne that we're not talking enough about because over the last two weeks, uh, he's played 71% of the snaps. He's seen an 18% target share. He's the clear number three wide receiver here. We talked about it on the waiver wire show uh, last week that if the Vikings continue to use more 11 personnel uh, as they have thus far in 2021, Osborne's going to be a volume flex play in PPR with how poorly the Vikings defense has played because they've forced this offense into shootout game scripts. Of course, you're starting Thielen and Jefferson still as wide receiver twos, uh, but Osborne is definitely in the mix here. Certainly could have a good point there. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle uh, on the road here. Um, a lot hinges on get Delvin Cook's health. Uh, even though they've been throwing a lot and scoring a lot of passing touchdowns, this offense does run through him. Yeah, Kirk Cousins surprisingly played really well, uh, kept them in the game against uh, an Arizona Cardinals de- uh, defense that sacked uh, Ryan Tannehill a ton in week one, and then the, the defense actually did contain the Cardinals uh, quite a little bit. But uh, as you said, it comes down to Cook. Even at home, uh, I'm nervous about the Vikings, and I will lean Seattle. All right, that takes us into Sunday night football. The Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, my show notes with this being the, the late game today, I, I was just wondering if we're going to find out if Green Bay's broken or not. And I had it tongue in cheek, but right now Green Bay is losing to the Detroit Lions at halftime 17 to 14. There is definite concern here. Um, but regardless of that, uh, I, I don't think you can sit Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams, uh, despite Devontae Adams only having six points heading into the half. You don't have a better option than him. He can explode at any given time. Aaron Jones has two receiving touchdowns. Um, certainly not uh, reliable to have that continue, but certainly not benching him for that reason either. Can't, can't punish him for scoring touchdowns. Yeah, he's always been efficient with touchdowns, which is why he's yep. been finishing as a, a top five fantasy running back the last couple of years. Uh, one of one of Rogers' most trusted targets uh, in the red zone because he certainly cannot trust Marcus Valdez Scantling. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how this game shakes out. Uh, no panic about Green Bay from a fantasy standpoint, but their man, their offense is not as good as it should be considering this Lions defense, and their defense looks really bad. You know, if if they were if they moved a little south and they were they were the Chicago Packers, we'd be clamoring for uh, for Jordan Love by now. Well, uh, we may see Jordan Love next year. Still, uh, perhaps Aaron Rodgers will be uh, queuing up that Jeopardy music. We'll find out. 
<laughs> All right. On the San Francisco side of the football, the Niners are having tons of running back injury trouble yet again. It's becoming a meme at this point. Uh, we need to see what comes of the uh, practice reports this week because Green Bay provides plenty of opportunity for the rush game. Elijah Mitchell may be the healthiest, but I would not be surprised if there's a free agent running back ad that comes out this week. Uh, Debo is the best player on this offense right now, but I do expect Kittle to do more in the past game this week as the rush game will likely suffer with the injuries here and Garoppolo may have to lean more into his very, very trusty tight end target. Yeah, I don't know what's going on in San Francisco, man. It feels like yeah. we're dedicating like 30% of the podcast every week, just breaking down all the chaos happening with the 49ers yeah. here. Um, Brandon Ayuk, droppable or no? No. Yeah, I, I think in shallower bench leagues, I, it's not He's not a must-hold. Um, certainly, I have high hopes for him if and when Trey Lance takes over, but he's running those downfield routes, and we just know that Jimmy Garoppolo simply isn't going to target these guys downfield very much. Um, yeah, I, I think better days ahead for George Kittle. Uh, certainly, you probably don't have a better tight end option if you drafted him. Uh, you didn't grab anyone else, most likely, and... Uh, We'll see how this backfield shakes out, but uh, man, just awful luck. All three of them hurt. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, the shoulder stinger, it sounds like he'll be fine for this week. Um, we'll see about Trey Sermon in the concussion protocol. He's a, he's going to be uh, questionable, really 50-50, just depending on how he recovers from that. And then it does sound like Hasty is going to be out for quite some time with that high ankle sprain. So, you know, we're going to talk about Trenton Cannon and and carry on Johnson uh, as uh, potential waiver ads in deeper leagues. But uh, man, just certainly not what you hope for if you did spend big uh, for Elijah Mitchell this past week. But yeah, just just a mess of a team I, right now. But somehow they pulled out the, a pretty strong win against the Eagles. So I don't know what that says about either team. Do not forget about Jeff Wilson Jr. Certainly cannot be playing this week uh, on, uh, while he's injured. But um, if these other guys keep having injuries and uh, stay banged up, as soon as he comes back, he's got great value. Yeah, someone to put on the watch list, but too early to uh, add him and burn a roster spot for now, I think. Yeah. Despite all that, uh, you know, this showing that we're seeing from the Packers right now, he has me leaning towards San Francisco. I could certainly see Green Bay winning by double digits, but but I am picking San Francisco this week. Yeah, I think San Francisco wins. I think we see a, a ton of production from the running backs because this Packers defense just can't really stop the run. Um Yeah. But can I, they stop Trenton Cannon? <laughs> That's what they I this is this is the tough game, and this is our Sunday night football matchup. Yeah, I mean, with this being at home, the Packers traveling west for a late game. Uh, I'm leaning San Francisco, but certainly another one I'm avoiding for uh, for any um, what is it, pickums or uh, survivor pools. Yes, certainly. All right, and that'll take us into Monday night. Philadelphia at the Dallas Cowboys. This game should allow plenty of opportunities for scoring for both teams. So Hertz, Sanders, and Smith should all be good to go. And Dallas Goddard has a back end, if not middling tight end, one upside. If uh, Especially if Zach Ertz cannot beat COVID protocol, though I do expect him to make it by game time on Monday, unfortunately, for, for all you Goddard guys. Yeah, it, man, this is... 
another weird one where the Eagles lost one of their offensive linemen. They've lost a lot on defense. I do think this is going to be a potential shootout here. So I, I agree that you're you're pretty much starting all these guys, Smith, Hurts, uh, and Sanders as well. And for the Cowboys, uh, the running back split worked for the team this week, but what does it mean for us as fantasy players? Frankly, I'd bump Zeke down just a tad in expectations, though still back in running back one. The game plan was essentially 50-50 in terms of uh, usage, though Zeke definitely dominated his time on the field. So those opportunities, if Dak chose to throw to him, were certainly there. Um, Pollard was very effective, though, and he, he always has been in limited usage. Mari Cooper did his well-known disappearing act, though I think he came up a little hobbled at the end of the game. We are expecting him, I think, to be uh, fully healthy by next by next week. Lamb was great regardless. Uh, I don't see any team being able to slow him down with their secondary and inside corners uh, if, if Cooper is healthy. Yeah, to your point, um, Zeke was on the field for 71% of the snaps versus 34 for Pollard. So I, I do think Zeke more of a back-end RB1 than the top five guy we uh, probably drafted him as. But uh, Pollard, a standalone flex value in PPR as well, um, especially if this game, again, turns into a high-scoring affair. Uh, not too much concern that Cooper's going to play. Uh, it sounds like a minor rib injury, but... Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, Darius Slay here because uh, that that could determine uh, what you know who has the bigger game yet again. I do think that this is going to be, if I have to pick, it's Ceedee Lamb over Amari Cooper for Week Three. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think in terms of these sort of analyses. Um, fantasy players, not to toot our horns or anything. I'm certainly not trying to do that, but I, I think we do recognize that maybe Amari Cooper isn't necessarily the dominant wide receiver one from a fantasy standpoint, but I, I don't think it, you could ask any player in the NFL and who would, who would say that Amari Cooper is not as good or as worse than CD lamb or isn't the wide receiver one. So I, I don't think there's any chance that slay shadows lamb or anything like that. Yeah, and still, you know, you're not benching Amari Cooper unless you somehow have really good options on, like, a dynasty team or you, you picked up someone crazy. But, uh, yeah, all that said, uh, I will lean the home team Cowboys. Yeah, give, give me Dallas here. I, I expect Dak to bounce back in a big way. Yeah, and to your point, too, uh, it was reported that uh, on the Eagles' side, Zach Ertz is vaccinated, so he could be cleared to play for week three as long as he doesn't show symptoms for, I think it's two days in a row, something like that. And yeah, this game is on it's Monday so night, to too, so he'll have an extra day. Um, so just something to monitor. If, if you are starting Ertz in a deep, deep league or considering Goddard versus another tight end. Hopefully that uh, hopefully that's the extent of our weekly COVID news. Certainly don't want that to be creeping up on these teams. Yeah, and moving on to just the regular plain old injury news. Uh, a ton of quarterback injuries this week. Uh, first off, we'll kick it off with Tua with bruised ribs. He is questionable. It sounds like it's going to come down to pain tolerance, but I probably would not risk starting him behind a pretty shoddy Dolphins offensive line anyway with a risk of re-injury unless you absolutely need to. Uh, Carson Wentz with both ankles injured. Uh, he's questionable as well. Again, doesn't sound like anything's broken or none, no, no high ankle sprains, but reports are that these are, uh, at least one was a severe ankle sprain, so something to monitor uh, for practice this week. Baker Mayfield with that non-throwing shoulder injury. He's probable he was able to finish out the game. 
uh, after his shoulder popped out and then back in. But there is some fair risk of re-injury if he falls on it wrong again. Probably going to need surgery, it sounds like, after the season. Uh, so hopefully a bit of luck for him over the next few months. Uh, they are missing some offensive linemen from week two uh, with injuries as well. So hopefully they'll be healthy for week three. So monitor that. Terod Taylor with the hamstring strain. He is doubtful for Thursday night. Uh, Davis Mills, the rookie, probably going to get his first start uh, in the NFL. And then finally, Andy Dalton with that knee injury. He's doubtful as well. Suffered a non-contact injury that originally thought could be an ACL, but sounds like it's more of a bone bruise. Uh, even so, could hold him out for a couple weeks here. So Justin Fields likely the starter for week three. And always frequent, always critical, the running back injuries. Dalvin Cook, hate saying his name on this list, but it's just become a thing. High ankle sprain, questionable. It sounds like a mild high ankle sprain, but that's a big issue for running backs who need to be able to plant and cut. Even if he's active, fantasy GMs should downgrade him from his usual top three running back status. Josh Jacobs with toe and ankle injuries. He's questionable right now. It's anyone's guess right now as to whether Jacobs will be back for week three, but he'll need at least a limited practice or two to have a shot monitor the Raiders practice reports later in the week I do expect Gruden to be pretty honest about it Daryl Henderson with the rib cartilage injury he's questionable right now as with Tua this is a pain tolerance issue with risk of re-injury uh, and even more so for running back who's going to see contact on just about every play monitor Henderson's status even if he's active he could cede more touches than before to Sony Michelle who should be 100% rostered after this week's waiver run Elijah Mitchell with the shoulder stinger he's probable right now we We've got that total mess in San Francisco. The silver lining is that fantasy GMs who spent a lot of fab dollars on Mitchell last week should get him as the clear lead back for at least a week or two. His shoulder does sound fine right now. And Trey Sermon also in San Francisco with the concussion, questionable, and Jamichael Hasty in the high ankle sprain out two to four weeks. Sermon will likely be the number two back if he's healthy for week three, with Hasty likely out multiple weeks. Hasty doesn't need to be held right now. And Carrion Johnson is an interesting waiver ad if Sermon is out. Out and carry on gets promoted from the practice squad. Uh, otherwise, Trenton Cannon may get some work. We've seen time and again uh, running backs that we just don't know the name of names of show up for San Francisco and put up running back one type weeks. Yeah, and at wide receiver, uh, we've got Amari Cooper with that rib injury. He is probable play. Uh, left that game late against the Chargers, but it sounds minor. Still worth monitoring, but Cooper is expected to play. DK Metcalf with that knee injury is probable as well. Again, sounds like a sort of knee bruise without any major sprains or breaks. So expected to play for week three as of now. Check those practice reports just to be safe. Jarvis Landry with the MCL sprain. Sounds like he's only going to be out for two to three weeks. So could have been much worse. Um, he should be held on most rosters. But in shallower bench formats, uh, Odell Beckham is expected to be back by then. So Landry isn't necessarily a must hold. And then Odell Beckham himself uh, coming back from that ACL. He does sound probable for this week. Sounds like the Browns are expecting him to play, whether that was the original timeline or something that got accelerated because of the Landry injury. We don't really know. So uh, still a little bit of a risky start, not knowing how, how much he's going to be used in his first game back here. Deontay Johnson with a knee injury. He is questionable as well. Again, the early reports are positive that this was a fairly minor knee injury that shouldn't keep him out for more than a week or two, but he is questionable for this week, so check those practice reports on Thursday and Friday. 
LaVisca Chenault with a shoulder injury that sounds minor and is probable to play. Uh, but again, he probably shouldn't be started anyway in normal sized leagues until we see some increased usage or more efficiency from that Jaguars offense overall. Nico Collins with a shoulder injury sounds to be about three to four weeks for him. Uh, again, Collins wasn't going to be started in most formats anyways, but this could mean even more of a ridiculous target share for Brandon Cooks. So uh, a little bit of an upgrade for Cooks here. Paris Campbell with an abdominal injury is questionable. Uh, Campbell doesn't need to be rostered in most redraft formats, uh, but the QB situation is already in flux, and Pascal and Pittman seemed a lot more involved even when Campbell was healthy in week one, so it doesn't need to be rostered. And finally, not technically an injury, but Will Fuller uh, was out week two with a personal issue after uh, coming back from suspension. He is probable uh, for this week, was already at practice on Monday, so it seems like he's going to play uh, if you do need that wide receiver depth or flex depth. For the tight ends, Evan Ingram is doubtful with a calf string. Uh, much like we said last week, until we see Ingram log consecutive full practices later this week, make other plans at tight end for another week. If he is active, um, I think that's just going to hurt Sterling Shepard more than more than provide anything for himself right now. James O'Shaughnessy with a high ankle sprain out three to four weeks. Uh, he was an interesting tight end to add after he saw eight targets in week one, but he does not need to be held through this injury. Uh, we'll see if he gets back to a decent target share once he eventually returns. And Anthony Ferkser in Tennessee with a knee injury is questionable. We have not heard the specifics of Ferkser getting ruled out pregame versus Seattle, but he wasn't really in the tight end conversation to begin with after abysmal usage in week one. And if you do need uh, some fill-ins for these players, or if uh, your starters at these positions just aren't doing well, uh, we have some waiver wire ads for you to consider at quarterback this week. We've got Daniel Jones at the top of the list. Again, time to put some respect on Jones. He played well against Washington on Thursday. And more importantly, he's been rushing a lot, including touchdowns. So he's in the top 12 quarterback conversation for week three against a pretty poor Atlanta defense. Justin Fields uh, with Andy Dalton's sideline. Fields uh, is expected to get his first NFL start, but it is against a tough Browns defense with a Bears offensive line that is struggling. Still, Fields is worth a look considering his rushing, up, rushing upside, and he did have two dropped touchdowns uh, this past Sunday. So probably uh, Jones if you need someone for week three, but Fields if you want that preemptive ad uh, for the rest of the season for pure upside. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, he's played well so far against the Giants and the Jaguars, in part due to easy matchups, but he does get a third consecutive decent matchup this week against a beatable Jets secondary. And Derek Carr, maybe, just maybe, the Raiders could be for real. Carr has shed his early career Alex Smith-like tendencies. He's been throwing downfield a lot more. The Dolphins are a touch tough matchup here uh, but Carr has shown well enough to be considered a decent option regardless for week three and perhaps for the season and finally Sam Darnold uh, what a change it is to go from Adam Gase to Joe Brady and Matt Rule Darnold has been playing well and he gets another good matchup here against a struggling Texans defense what a mess it must be to play for Adam Gase because yeah I, I still even had my doubts heading into the season with Darnold but uh, the, the proof is in the pudding right 
All right, running back free agent ads. Alexander Madison. It's surprising that Madison is rostered in so few leagues, uh, to be honest. With Cook battling a mild high ankle sprain, Madison has running back one upside this week versus Seattle defense that just got gashed by Derrick Henry. Uh, he should have been owned. We've seen Cook battle injuries all the time. Tony Pollard, like Madison, Pollard should have been rostered in more leagues post-draft. Uh, Elliott is still the number one in Dallas, but Pollard looks very good. With Dallas, sure to see more high-scoring games. Pollard is a decent PPR flex with running back one upside if Elliott were to miss time. Sonny Michelle. Michelle was an iffy flex start versus a stingy Tampa Bay run defense, even if Henderson were to miss this week outright. But his usage his usage after Henderson left the game with a rib issue versus Indy is a reminder that Sonny Michelle could have running back two upside if Henderson were to miss more time than expected in an efficient Rams offense. Corderal Patterson. Patterson saw close to a 50-50 split with Mike Davis, but more importantly, he was used in a number of creative ways near the goal line. He could turn out to be the more fantasy-relevant Atlanta running back. Kenny Gainwell, Kenneth Gainwell, through two weeks, Boston Scott has touched the ball all of zero times. Gainwell is the very clear number two in Philadelphia with pass-catching upside as a PPR flex with running back two upside if Sanders were to move. James White. White continues to be involved as a favorite checkdown option for Mac Jones, and he even got a goal line touchdown versus the Jets. He remains a PPR running back three or flex play who will be volume dependent most weeks. J.D. McKissick. We saw a lot of McKissick in two-minute drill situations as Washington is projected to trail against Buffalo this week, uh, which could mean more receiving volume for McKissick as a flex, shot, flex option in PPR scoring. Tony Jones. Not sure why Jones is rostered in so few leagues when Latavius Murray was getting drafted in the 10th round in the preseason. Jones is essentially an upgraded Murray who will be a touchdown dependent running back four as the number two behind Kamara with running back two upside if Kamara were to miss time. And carry on Johnson, if you're desperate, the continued injury bad luck for San Francisco running backs could push carry on Johnson into the active roster for a week three versus a Green Bay defense that has been horrendous at stopping the run the past couple of seasons. Trenton Cannon should see uh, could see an expanded role too, and T.J. Yeldon, Duke Johnson, and Lamar Miller are also working out for Sir San Francisco, so they're worth putting on the watch list. Click that star or whatever it is in your league uh, as well in deeper leagues. And at wide receiver, uh, the top waiver ad this week is, of course, Rondale Moore, who had a blow-up game against the Vikings. But a large part of that was a completely blown coverage that resulted in a 77-yard touchdown. The ceiling is very high for Moore, but it's important to note that he only played 46% of the snaps against the Vikings. Again, he has wide receiver 2 potential if his role does increase eventually. Uh, worth a 20 plus percent fab bid but don't go too crazy on him just yet until we see more consistent usage Cole Beasley had a quiet week two uh, saw far fewer targets than he did in week one but still remains a high upside wide receiver three in a pretty pass heavy bills offense we'll keep talking about him until he's rostered in more leagues Sterling Shepard, also in the wide receiver three mix uh, there were reports in the offseason that Shepard looked like the best Giants wide receiver Still seeing some miscommunications between Jones and Galladay. So like Beasley, we've talked about Shepard for a while now as a decent PPR flex. KJ Osborne, who we mentioned earlier when we talked about the Vikings, seems to be the clear number three wide receiver in Minnesota. Uh, a lot of PPR volume potentially here with the Vikings utilizing more 11 personnel after losing Irv Smith in the preseason. 
That trend has continued against Arizona in week two, and there's reason to project Osborne in the wide receiver three mix going forward with a lot of shootout game scripts given how bad Minnesota's defense has looked. Darnell Mooney, uh, he saw a ton of targets from fields, dropped a touchdown as well in the end zone. He could see significant volume in week three and potentially going forward if fields can win the starting job and make this offense, this passing offense more efficient. Henry Ruggs, uh, he's going to be a bit boomer bust, but with the Raiders offense looking good overall with Carr more willing to throw the deep ball, Ruggs is going to be a weekly wide receiver four with a high ceiling. Zach Pascal, uh, Pascal's another guy we discussed last week, not an elite talent, but the Colts have liked him for some time now as their slot guy, and he clearly has chemistry with Wentz in the red zone. Uh, we'll see what happens if Jacob Eason plays, of course. Uh, drop Pascal a little bit, uh, going to be dependent on this offense being somewhat efficient. And of course, Michael Pittman is rostered in most leagues, but worth noting that he should obviously be an add over Pascal if Pittman is available. And finally, Quez Watkins. Uh, like Ruggs, Watkins is going to be a bit boom robust here, but his speed showed on that 91-yard catch against the Niners this past week. And he's on the wide receiver four radar for week three against a susceptible Cowboys secondary. And, of course, the tight ends, Rob Gronkowski. Reminder that Gronkowski is only five months older than Travis Kelsey. We recommend him as the priority tight end last week, and he's mostly rostered but somehow still not at 100%. Uh, if prime Gronkowski is back and can stay healthy, he could be a league winner this year. Even if he's not prime, he's, he's lockstep with Tom Brady. Those two are just on another level together. Double-check your waiver wire just in case. Jared Cook, Cook disappointed versus a Dallas defense that allowed two tight ends to Gronkowski in week one, but he still posted a respectable three for 28 on five targets. And more importantly, he had a touchdown called back due to a penalty. Uh, Parham scored the touchdown on the box score, but Cook is still the better Chargers tight end if you need help at the position. Albert O. Denver used 12 personnel on 38% of their offensive snaps in week one, and the trend of using two tight end sets could continue or did continue in week two versus Jacksonville with Judy out. Noah Fant is a clear tight end one, but Alberto is also in streaming consideration with seven targets through two games. And then in Cleveland, Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant, if you're desperate, Cleveland just lost Jarvis Landry for a few weeks and Odell Beckham is questionable for week three versus Chicago. Both Cleveland tight ends could again see high target share and decent PPR volume. Yeah. Like Cooper and Bryant a little bit less after the news came out about Beckham likely to play. But again, we don't know how much usage Beckham's going to see in that first week back at defense. Uh, we've got the Carolina defense, which has played much better than expected 10 sacks and three interceptions over the first two weeks. Uh, playing on a Thursday night with Houston's rookie quarterback uh, having little time to prep for his first NFL start. So should be another good matchup for the Panthers here. In the Arizona defense, uh, they certainly disappointed against the Vikings in week two, but still they should be able to sack Trevor Lawrence a couple times behind that awful, awful Jacksonville offensive line. There aren't too many great options at defense on the waiver wire this week, so maybe give them another chance even after that poor week two showing. And then finally, the Raiders defense, uh, again, not the best, but they're worth a look against uh, probably a backup Jacoby Brissett or a banged up Tua, depending on what Miami decides to do at quarterback for this week. Uh, certainly worse options than the Raiders here. And with so many injuries uh, this week, a lot of players questionable for week three. 
uh, a lot of these sit start decisions are going to be pretty tough. So if you guys have more specific questions regarding your team or league, certainly happy to help reply on to questions on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can find me at FFA underscore Los. That's L-O-S. And you can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts.